This is Phantom Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air on our Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Janet Elaine Smith. For time, how are you doing tonight? I'm fantastic. How are you? I hear it's kind of cold on the East Coast. Yeah, we're having crazy wind chill, so hopefully it won't knock our power out. Because <laughs> we're getting these like bad winds coming through, but we're we're okay. Um, I I use like uh, solar energy to power my house. So I have a little bit off the grid. So I should be okay. Um, so what's cool about this podcast is we have a sponsor and you can see up on the top, you can listen on Newsly. We are a featured podcast on Newsly within an hour. The audio, an audio version of this podcast will be on Newsly on iOS and Android. Use coupon code GHOST to get one month free premium subscription. Again, you can stop scrolling and start listening to your favorite podcast or news articles on Newsly. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so now I was reading about your background and just to give people a heads up, kind of like, a, like an elevator pitch of, of, of high level, you're a creative reprogram for success. And you've been a, a quantum consciousness accelerator, um, an integrative holistic healing facilitator, an inspirational speaker, life coach and light worker into all that. Cause I think not everybody in our audience is familiar with terms like neuro linguistic and um even like the idea of quantum consciousness accelerator so i think you have some teaching for us to happen here <laughs> from learning well we can start i start off by saying that um our reality the realities that we live in are dictated by two different sciences one is quantum physics and the other one is epigenetics now, quantum physics says, well, like Einstein said, everything's energy. And so you match the frequency with the energy you put out and you can't help but bring that reality to you. And he even says, it's not philosophy, that's physics. And mm -hmm. I'll take it further that the biochemical effects of your brain shows that your very thoughts affect your cells, which means your thoughts have energy if they're affecting your cells. Now, Epigenetics, on the other hand, says that it's the imprinting or coding from our ancestors passed down to our parents and our parents pass it to us from birth to about seven years old. And the reason why we absorb everything during that time is because we're in theta state, which means we don't really have an opinion. It just kind of flows in. It's before we create our opinion. And then after that, our reality is dictated by anything catastrophic that happens to us and society in general. This is what makes up your belief system, your traits, your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors, everything. This is what you are. This is a bundle of it. So if something isn't working for you, if you keep repeating the same scenario over and over again, or you know the same situation and you date the same person over and over again the same type mm -hmm. and the same thing ends up it's usually because there's a behavior or a belief and so i always tell people don't look at somebody who did something to you look at yourself and say why was i there why did this happen because it's going to lead you to the belief or the behavior of what's causing the issue for you and then there's different techniques that you kind of hit on neuro-linguistic programming that can actually change a self-limiting belief into a self-enhancing one. 
That's that's really interesting because I'm a Buddhist. I'm a, a Nishiren Daishonin Buddhist, which is a Japanese form of Buddhism that kind of believes in basically um, the power of um, like uh, it's a yin and yang type of thing. But it's mm-hmm. also the, the fact that like what energy that you put out, negative or positive, can come back to you. And then nothing's ever really destroyed and your energy has always been here and it gets transferred. Right. And the, right. and if you have a positive experience, you'll you'll bring positivity. If you bring negativity, you bring on negativity. So we try to center ourselves with meditation and and try to the we're, we're kind of things in the past, the Buddhist belief past lives, but past things that influence yeah. you. It's kind of somewhat like what the genetic idea, but in, in more of a philosophical, spiritual concept. But I think I can Related to what you're talking about in terms of science, because I think there's kind of merging where the lines Mm -hmm. kind of cross between spirituality and science and mysticism. It kind of all is interconnected in a lot. And being a musician, we kind of live in this idea of the muse and the universe. And so I I kind of can pick up what you're saying. (laughs) Well, and it's true. I mean, uh, quantum physics was the uh, is the biggest science that actually combines almost it, it bridges spirituality with the science. Um, so, so you're absolutely correct in what you're saying. That's awesome because I think the interesting thing I do just as a musician, it it, it, it might not seem like it makes it, it relates, but I'm an electronic musician. I use analog and digital synthesizers that create sounds from waveforms. I'm a sound right. designer. So yep. I take sine waves, triangle waves, square waves, and I take them and turn them into vibrations that make rhythms and music. And what I find over the years that I've been doing it is these different waveforms can trigger behavior in people. Yes. Because the, the tones that you create from them. And so it seems like it's a little bit of science and a little bit of art and spiritualism all kind of combined. Well, I talk, I talk about um, when we talk about frequency or we talk about, you know, the vibration we put out, I like to call it octaves. So it's funny that you say that because I always tell people what octave are you in? Because the higher <laughs> octaves attract yeah. higher energy, the lower octaves, you know, are what they are. And they've proven even that our words that we say, you know, love has a higher vibration or a higher octave than hate does. So um, even even we can even get into numbers. Number, it's been proven that number frequencies also have these different vibrations or octaves to them. Yeah, so, it's kind of like when you get into recording engineering, you'll notice that in music, there's a lot of people that use falsetto yes. or use, that use like female kind of voices. If you listen to a band like Led Zeppelin or, or you listen to like people who take like Smokey Robinson, it's very common that male male singers will try to reach kind of feminine sounds yes. with higher frequencies because they cut through what we call the headroom so within our mix of sound waves the female voice kind of cuts through and it's higher frequency than the lower baritones and so we purposely engineer things sometimes to fit those frequencies and you'll hear a lot of famous you know even axel roses why are they right. so pitched up you rush why is it pitched up it's that's kind of the reason. Yeah, and and the higher up we go in frequency, the higher in consciousness we are, and that's why it's important. I think that's interesting because it kind of does dive into the consciousness. I mean, music creates sound pictures or what we call yep. sound paintings. 
and people can recall from a, a song, a picture in their mind. So those frequencies are triggering images in your brain is taking that sound and turning it into a different form or turning it into an emotion or a feeling reminiscing or feeling good or feeling angry. What you can trigger all kinds of things. So I always say people, musicians can be life coaches and influencers because we can trigger different behaviors based on the frequencies we're, we're sending you. This, this is correct because um, in near linguistic programming, so neuro is the brain, linguistic is the language, correct? Only nine, uh, only 7% of what we communicate is our words. 93% is through the vibration, is through our motion, you know, our movements, everything else. 93% is nonverbal. So what you're saying is makes total sense according to neuro-linguistic programming. I think that's really interesting because if you get a better handle on what, what neuro-linguistic programming is or the type of quantum concepts you're talking about, I think I think musicians, we accidentally or maybe purposely, we get into these frequencies just because we find out we get reactions. So right. we've, we've so oh, this, this kind of frequency triggers a hit or it triggers emotion at a concert and the people all start, you know, getting rea reacting. And then you get good reactions, you get positive reactions, and you kind of, okay, I'm going to go with that. So we kind of right. learn what works and we use that. And it's nonverbal. A lot of it, it's, it's music. It's notes. Yeah. It's, That's it's what key. I'm saying. It's the, it's yeah. the octaves you're playing. It's You've learned what uh, octaves touch on any emotion and you can play mm -hmm. those octaves. So it's, it's yeah. very fascinating to, to think of it in those terms. But I guess to try to figure out how to verbally um, communicate because you got to try to convey what your message is because like if you're in this pattern where you keep on repeating the same thing because you keep on finding the same person because you right. didn't change what i found right. that, like with a lot of people you know being a musician we write about like like pain and we create turn it into art but you know you don't want to keep on creating you know a crucible just because it right. makes you money you know, you, right. you, you want to be able to be happy. So do you want to go be in a painful life? Cause that generates your income or, or because you can turn it into, into commodity, or do you want to actually live your full life and not repeat the same mistakes? <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. It's true. It's, um, it's, it's an interesting thing that we as humans, um, choose, um, even to listen to the same type of song over and over again. And it's because uh, we're not, sh we, we like to stay in a certain, uh, what they call a paradigm, a certain belief system. But mm -hmm. it's also interesting that when we decide to leave that belief system or that paradigm, that we start listening to different music. Mm -hmm. We sw switch to different octaves that, that uh, reach us to what we want, what we wish to feel or what is fulfillment for us. I kind of feel that that's the kind of idea of like why I decided to call my music expansive because like a lot of people who are musicians, they'll get stuck. Like I'm a trance artist, I'm an EDM artist, I'm a rap artist, I'm a rock, I'm a punk. Right. And then what I always like to point out is like, well, progressive rock kind of mixes multiple genres. Right. It'll be jazz, rock, hip hop, 
everything. You know, like progressive rock artists can go everywhere. Like a band like Genesis or Yes, they can go Pink Floyd. They go all different directions, taking classical, jazz, everything. And so they, if you think about like New Wave was really cool because it took everything. Yeah. New Wave bands like, like took multiple genres, funk, disco, rock, everything and then kind of threw it all together with all kinds of imagery that was like mixing genders at the same time and so then you had this very open-minded type of music that was like hard to pin down where where it was coming from and i've always been you know i'm out child of the 70s i was very much inspired by that kind of 80s 90 period where i think music kind of opened up where you could come from all directions yeah, and I, I got the idea of expansion. I think that why not be as expansive and not as narrow? Well, life is about being expansive. And um, I think that we're headed in um, a time of massive expansions, expansionness, if that's a word. I, I think people are tapping into um, their consciousness more. They're being more aware. Um, uh, I don't like using the word awaken, but... I, I do believe that people are having a, a larger awareness of the awareness around them, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. We're aware now of the awareness around us. So now what are you going to do being aware? Yeah, it's like, I guess it gets the difference between that you have behaviors and sometimes people confuse their behaviors with values, right? Yeah. So they might think a family value is being strict with my kids and being very disciplinary to a point you spank them and do all these things. And that's a family value, but it's not that, 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 that's, that's a behavior that you're confusing with a value. Yes. And you know, the value is you want respect, but is it respectful to hurt another human being? Probably not. So you got it. You kind of got things like jumbled up. <laughs> well, this is also why I say that there's been an increase in consciousness because there was a time that that was okay. And that time is no longer okay. And so when I watch this, you can see the growth in consciousness over decades. So it's it's kind of refreshing to see and feel. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, I mean, I grew up with you know, my, my parents. You know, grew up in the '30s and '40s, and they their their my great grandparents and my grandparents, they all felt like oh, using a ruler, using the stick, using the yeah. belt. That was what they were taught. That was what mm -hmm. they felt was right. And then we all know now today that people, so, you know, sociologists and psychologists and psychiatrists always say, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, yeah. you, that, that was, you've been taught wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> and, well, was, uh, if you look at it, it was programmed. I call it programming. It was programmed in them. It mm -hmm. was programmed because their parents did it. Their parents did it. Their parents did it. And now yeah. we're in, we slowly started entering different parts of society where we're trying to deprogram that and uh, and reprogram another way. You can look at it that way. Yeah, because he had this old, well, the old school kind of is like, I'm your father, I'm your elder, listen to me. Even if I get drunk every night, do yeah. as I say, not as I do, right? Exactly. So you can't go... Correct do that but i'm telling you and you should just listen to me because i'm your father or i'm your grandfather or i'm an elder i'm older i'm the matriarch whatever and 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 now people are saying well yeah if it's not right if what you're saying is morally wrong even if they're older than me i don't have to listen to that <laughs> yeah 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 it's an it's the changing up of programming and people really looking at everything that's happening um 
it just opens up a whole new life for everyone. And, and when you start examining where you came from and just when you're talking about, you know, your family, I, I came from the same type of family. My parents grew up about the same time and they were just raised differently. But when we start to really look at what's not working, cause that let, literally was not working and instill a new way and see that it does work. We really shift not only our conscious self, but we shift the consciousness of those affected. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's sometimes I think that's even the larger um, goal or the larger uh, gift. I, I, I'll yeah, call it a gift. Yeah. I think a, a, a larger gift that comes out of it. Because I was a sociology um, major in college. And so I was into like the microcosm the macrocosm the ideas like anomy and just like looking at like at a microcosm like the individual okay so the individual is responsible for the behavior to a certain extent but then if you look at the group like we studied like group behavior like what happens if somebody else fire in a, in a crowded group like what happens in yeah. a riot like why do you we the, the sociology is kind of study of but you look at people in, in the microcosm, you look at them individually, but you also look at them in the groups and group behavior and yes. how expand to like nations, you know, tribes, big groups, individuals, cults. And you start to look at patterns that are not just based on one person, but how people behave when they get into groups and how that group behavior is, uh, is, is um, initialized or not, you know, or triggered or, you know, that right. I've always found very interesting. Um, it, that is, a, yeah, that people is don't always get into that. <laughs> that, is, that is interesting because I, I, as I said, it, a lot of uh, our behaviors and our traits, I mean, we get a lot of it until we're seven, but after that, it's anything catastrophic and society that's going to condition us. So we also have to look at the society that we live in, mm-hmm. the country we live in, the town we live in, the state we live in, and what are all of their behaviors, their beliefs uh, in general, because that does affect us as well. And, and so- my, Yeah, I think that's a total, it, it, my interesting with my education, what I did is I took sociology and then I took political science as a double major. And so what was cool about it, got to see that micro macro from groups and individuals and then look at the political systems and how they affect it. Right. So we look at multiple political systems from social, you know, from being a socialist to a communist, to a tri to an indigenous tribal system, to a capitalist system, and then looking at how all these things interact at the same time of taking concepts of a Weber and all these like sociologists. And he's like, wow, you like a, you know, master, you know, dictators utilized all yeah. kinds of concepts that were able to trigger and control people based on like sociological behavior and political behavior and ideology all combined. So if you kind of look the way I was taught, I started to look at all sides of it, no matter what yeah, it is, you, Western or Eastern. You, know what? Or... <laughs> you have to look at all sides of it. I, I don't, um, I don't look at anything as good or bad. I always say um, I have compassion for everything, but I will say there is only one word for the basis of everything. 
uh, when you're talking about dictators and just governments and that sort. And it's fear. Fear is the mm. biggest thing that's pushed out to control. And I wish people would look at that and understand and ask themselves, is this fear based or is this, you know, positive? Is this safety, security and confidence? I mean, is this giving us safety or is this just putting fear out there? And I think that's a good, good question to ask. Look at the, yeah. Pardon? If you think about the balance of power, like how, like how the East and West or, you know, different political system, communism and capitalism, they would use these balance of power concept based on getting the public to fear. Yes. Like, you know, capitalism gets you to fear communism and you, communism gets you to fear capitalism and you, or you fear, you, you're told to fear different groups. You're told to yes. build different ethnicities in order for certain people to gain power positions through a balance of power and they're manipulating you like a chessboard. And if you can understand right. how you triggered or manipulated and realize that it's not your idea, that idea has actually been kind of force fed into you and you're, you're yes. falling for it and you've got to yes. be more holistic or critical thinking and not just get what you're fed and immediately react to it in the way they want you to. <laughs> that's, that's why I ask people, um, one of the things I ask people, if you have a really, really strong belief, uh, ask yourself, where did you get it? Did you get it from your parents? Did you get it from society? Did you get it from your friends? Or is it really something that you really believe? So these are things that mm -hmm. when somebody's really dissecting to decide to change certain areas of their life for reprogram for the success they desire, these are things that you have to break down and be able to go into and really and really be honest with yourself. And and usually when somebody has really strong beliefs, that's the first thing I ask them is where'd the belief come from? Where'd you, where'd you get it from? Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times people like, you know, you can break free of your family structure, but then you could be kind of primed to be triggered by a cult movement. And so you could end up joining yeah. a cult because of the, your family life. And so you thought right. you're breaking free and then you get into the same structure within a cult. And then you leave that cult and you go into another cult or you go into, you keep yeah. on going from one cult to the next because you haven't solved the core problem that might've been the inner child that was wounded yes. by some kind of situation and you don't acknowledge it and you, and you think these ideas are yours and they're really not yours. You've kind of absorbed them, like you said. Correct, correct. And that's, and that's why you just hit on why people repeat over and over and over again, because they never get down to the core of why they have that behavior or why they have that belief. And so they'll just keep repeating it. So it, 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 that was a great example of how it happens. I would say in my life, one thing that really changed is that I had a, I had a cancer at age 27. I had a level three sarcoma. And I, and I was before the cancer, I was painfully shy. I wouldn't do public speaking. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, if I was in a band, I would just be playing keyboards. I'd never sing. I was never up front. I was always in the back. And after the cancer, I just said, you know, why am I putting these walls on myself? Why am I limiting myself? And once I survived it, I, I changed my life significantly because I started questioning, why did I have myself in this box? You know, yes. then I went, I, I went and I lived in Japan for two years, you know, I, and I oh, would have never done you. that. I would have never done that. So I started to do things I would have never done. 
And I think it's really that you have to get to that point and you don't have to get cancer to, to, for that to happen, but you have to have something yeah. that, that you start to question, you know, why are you, you know, that person in the mirror, you know, you're looking back in the looking glass, like, why are you that way? Yes. Yes. And, and, and it, it helps you, it helps you also to um, like, for me, it was the money consciousness that took me down that rabbit hole for me to change up for myself. And I had to figure out why was it that um, I, I had, I had a situation where I was given a large sum of money and I always believed in helping the underserved, both nonprofit and like I was chairman of the board of a nonprofit that helped homeless women. I grew up, on the poverty level. So I now am in a position where I can help a lot of people. And mm -hmm. so I started giving money away to people, you know, helping people. And before long, everybody was attached to me for the money. And mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't say no. And before long, I was in arbitration. Um, my financial person who was with a well-known international firm had lost almost all my money oh, and geez. in an investment. And during the arbitration, I kept thinking, I'm going to lose all this money. I never once didn't think I wasn't going to win. But the statistics of arbitration are even when you win, you're lucky if you get 15% back. Yeah, yeah, so, get all their money so back. Is, yeah. So uh, sure enough, the, the guy gets disbarred, his partner fined, the company fined, but I get 10%. So now I'm sitting here going, okay, I can understand the quantum physics, the vibration of it all, right? Here I am. I'm not going to get the money. But what was the, the epigenetics for me? Like I had to sit back and say, there's got to be more to this than just energy. There has to be. And I had to go into my belief system. And so I started studying epigenetics and the whole belief system. And it turned out that I came from eight generations of ministers who signed up to be economically challenged, who signed up to give their last cents to the underserved and who had no money to manage. And I don't want to take that away from them because it's very honorable. I know what some of them went through to do the work they did. So I don't want to take that away, but that was an imprint in me. I mean, mm -hmm. my mother, my mother used to say my, if my dad had this certain amount of money in his pocket that he was, my dad thought he was wealthy. She thought that wealthy people were not nice people. It, and that money was the root of all evil. Now this was programmed in me from the time I was born. And so, so you're going to try to shed it because you think it's evil. You know, you, you, yeah. that would be kind of like the kind of, you know, you yeah, can't have so, it because if, if it makes you evil, then you're going to shed it and give it to other people. So you don't ha hoard it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this is, this is how I talk, I call it inherited money consciousness that some of us don't even know that we have. And, and it can really dictate how much money you hang on to. It's it's just like we talk a lot of times they talk about the lottery winners. They'll get the money, but, you know, they'll be broke in no time. It's because they have. They have this level of money consciousness and it's it's inherited. And so once you untangle it and you actually increase the threshold for your the the level of conscious money that you can hold in your in your system in your in your imprinting in your programming then then you're able to manage that money and have the money and 
in all of that. But I also had to ask myself, what was it about me that put me in front of this um, financial person who that what was the vibration I had that he, you be, that he could be in front of me rather than it be somebody who would take care of my money. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I had to ask myself yeah, what, yeah, what, well, what yeah. about me that was attracting, attracting him. And so that was another different rabbit hole that I had to take myself down. So um, it's all about examining what behaviors work for you and what doesn't. And the first place you look is not the person who's doing it to you. What puts you in front yeah, of you? Yeah, I mean, Buddhists believe that, yeah, they believe that you actually cause your situation, that your actions yeah. are, and, and the actions of even people before you, your predecessors. Yes, they, I you would. Know, they, in the karmic idea of a Buddhist, at least uh, most Buddhism, even Nishra and Daishonin, is like if I put myself in front of that person, I was kind of on a road that was going that way karmically because yes. I was doing things that were put that put me in front of that person at the moment that happened because it's karmically kind of destined to be. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do like some kind of psychic judo and, and recover from a negative event. But because if you have a negative thing and then you take the positivity out of it, you can kind of, you know, take that bad energy and not get, you know, kind of use a psychic judo <laughs> and move, yeah. move around, you know, do it so it's not, but it becomes, somebody, somebody comes at you and you flip it back around and it's not negative. It's not, uh, it's not actually like violent, but you're actually defending yourself and, and then becoming more, more of you. You actually, Right. Uh, you you learn from that situation and you grow. Yes. That, and and I do. I I, I say that. I, I looked at the, if I wouldn't have had that situation happen to me. Well, I probably wouldn't be sitting in front of you today talking about any of this. And I I and it helped me to uncover it. And not only that, but help a lot of other individuals switch up areas of their life change a, a self-limiting belief into a self-enhancing belief. And so I, I, I always say I, I probably wouldn't be talking to the person I am today about it if I hadn't gone through it. So I guess one thing we, we've been kind of getting toward it, but like what, what is the whole brain state? What, what does that mean? A whole brain state is when you can get your uh, I call it the left cortex and your right cortex into a whole brain state because your left cortex is your logical side, right? And your right cortex is your creative side. And so yeah. a lot of times, like for e instance, even in trauma, the reason why you don't heal is because they're arguing on how to heal you because we hold mm -hmm. trauma fragmented in our minds. And so they're arguing how to heal. And so if you can bring them into whole brain state, which EMDR or, I, or even eye movement integration does, um, it crosses, that treatment crosses your left cortex with your right cortex, brings you into whole brain state. And so now they can heal. They call it the inner healer because now they're in agreement on it and mm. the healing can begin. So you'll remember the event, but you won't have that intense feeling or anything like that. Um, but the whole brain state also is done through Psyche. And Psyche is uh, a technique that I use. 
It was created uh, 30 years ago by Rob Williams. Uh, and what it does is it's a way that you can test someone's subconscious mind. So I could, if you told me I am an abundant, I have an abundant mindset. I could test your subconscious and it will never lie because your subconscious mind runs 95% of your body. So if I test your body, it's not going to lie about whether you believe it or you're not. Even if you say you believe it and you can really think you believe it, but do you believe it? And mm -hmm. so you can test that. And through that process, um, you can, they have a process then where you can literally bring your conscious mind and your subconscious mind into a whole brain state on the new belief that you wish to put in. So we could put in, I have an abundant mindset. And well, that's like a will, reprogramming. So that's the reprogramming. Yeah, and, it, and, yeah. It will, and it will take hold. And for those, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Bruce Lipton. He, 20 years ago, he wrote um, the bestseller, Biology, um, biology of belief. Um, and, and it's all about the subconscious mind. And in the back of that book, he writes that, uh, that psyche, uh, is the fastest, most efficient way to change a self-limiting belief into a self-enhancing one. And that he used it to finish the book and, and he attributes to why he has great relationships today. So mm -hmm. I do use that after I move out the old belief and instill the new belief. I kind of double, I go through a process of double locking down the new belief. So with neuro-linguistic programming and another, uh, and theta healing and EMDR, I move out the old belief and bring in the new belief. So if it's fear, I move out fear. And then I bring in safety, security, and confidence. And then in the end, I'll go and do psyche where you will lock in into a whole brain state on I am safety, secure and confident in every situation. So this will stop people who are kind of fearful of making that next move because you get some people like, you know, I had a guest on yesterday and they were talking about how somebody like had a fear of flying yeah. and they kept on over planning everything to justify why they can't fly because they, yeah. they got to have two weeks worth of weather, weather reports. They yeah. got to have, they got to have like all yeah. this information, like, well, where am I going? Is the city safe that I'm going to? Are they going to have all these? So they keep on giving themselves reasons why they couldn't go. Why they can't go. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. keep on trying to over plan it to like, well, I don't know if I can't, if I don't have a good plan, I can't go. If I get, don't know how I'm going to handle the airport, I'm going to handle the taxi, yeah. I'm going to handle it. So everything's got to be, they can't just live the moment. They've got to try to plan. You can't, they can't go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, fear. Fear is one of the biggest things. And it's probably the first thing that I literally um, reprogram in almost everyone that comes to me and every group, mm. because in some way, shape or form, even when we have lack, we have fear. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is. We have fear. So that's one of the first things I move out. But I had tremendous fear. That was one of the things I moved out right away for myself because my mom was always fear-based and she worried about 99.9% .9 of everything that was never going to happen. <laughs> I was I was the same exact way. I ended up being a single mom when my son was only eight. He's 29 today. And 
I used to worry about everything, everything. I, I have mm-hmm. two other, I have, I have two daughters too and everything. And one day I decided I didn't want that life anymore. And so I did something else. And this was before I even um, mm. had gone through the money thing. I took, um, I acted like I had an invisible bubble attached to me and I put fear in it. And every time I felt fear, I'd cut it away and put safety, security and confidence in its place. And I just did this vigilantly for one week. After one week, I had a situation where I would have and I would have in the past made a choice that would not have been good for myself or for anyone else. And it was fear based. I had no fear at that moment. And I just kind of watched. It, it was almost like watching a, a slow moving motion picture. You know, mm-hmm. I saw that I would have done this, but no, I'm going here because I had changed the trajectory by moving the fear out and having safety, security and confidence. And this is when we talk about paradigm shifting. We're literally talking about like when you take fear out, you're changing your life both personally and professionally. You just cannot help but do that. Yeah, it's it's always been. It was like when I made the move to go to Japan and people were telling me it's like, you know, post, you know, post 9-11 and people with all my family is like, it's dangerous to travel. You know, look, look what happened in 9-11. So my mom is kind of like you. She she just used like 9-11 as a reason not to go on a plane. So you should never go on a plane ever, you know. And I said, well, you know, if I got to go to Japan, I got to go on a plane. Yeah. So it was like, like, it's like I have – and I couldn't let her – and it's like, well, you don't know how they're going to treat you there. You don't know if they're going to like you. You don't know if they're going to – how they're going to deal with you. African-American. She kept on came – she came up with like 100 different things. Yeah. Why you shouldn't go there. And then I said, well, you know – I, I really can't listen to what you're saying because I'm bringing my young daughter. She went to a Japanese preschool and kindergarten and I, I, I couldn't just get caught up in her fear, which I, one of the big things I moved away from was the fact that my mom was so fearful of a lot of things and she was trying to protect her three boys. I understand she was trying to protect us, but in, instead what happened is we became like, we had all this weight of all these yeah. things that she told us to be, you know, scared of, scared of, and, and I'm like, yeah, you got to get beyond it, and you know, in the, the fear of travel, I just had to let it go, and yeah. I went, you know, my big travel was like I went <laughs> international to a totally different society, had to learn totally different language and culture, but I felt that that really freed me, yes, um, from from where I had the paradigm I had been in, mm-hmm. that it just forced me. I had to learn a language or get food but i couldn't figure out how to get in a taxi i had to do it i had to get beyond my shyness and actually be able to speak some japanese to be able to get around to be able to you know right. just live so i think it kind of putting yourself in a society where you don't know anything about it don't know the language it, it kind of gets rid of a lot of things what well, forces you it puts you right in the middle of the fire well, you, <laughs> you you make the choice at that point uh when you even recognize it which you did uh, the first, the first thing and the biggest battle is actually recognizing it. Once you recognize it, it's going to go away. You're yeah. going to find a way to move it on out. No yeah, doubt. About it. That your brain or your, you, you know, you, you don't think you can learn language and then you learn it, right? Because if, if right. you're put into a society where you have to speak Spanish or Japanese or Chinese, you'll learn it because you have to. 
Like it's, it's not because the teacher told you to do it. It's because you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. To just do it. You have to know where the bathroom is. You have to know where this is. You have to, <laughs> you have to figure it out. And so you, you're forced to do the everyday things that human beings need to do. You will learn it. Yes. 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 Although reprogramming, if you choose to reprogram, that's a little bit easier. But, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's, yeah, I totally, I, I, lo I love the idea of, of that because I think there's a lot of people who have been kind of stuck in, in you know, a glass ceiling or they're in a box yeah. and, or in the inner child and they can't get out of it. And they're still doing stuff that they did when they're 10 years old, nine years old, yes. seven years old. And, and you're 50 years old, or you're 70 or you're 80, and you're still doing it. It's like, and people would be surprised. Well, how could you be doing that? Whether well, it's not that hard. Yeah, you actually can be stuck in that. <laughs> you 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 can. It's it's um, it's a cycle. You know, it's like being on a hamster wheel. It's hard to get off. And also, I think people get really comfortable with, um, you know, the same thing. I I it's mm -hmm. it's kind of like when people ask why does an abused person keep going back to an abuser? Mm -hmm. And it's because it's what they know. They're afraid the of codependency. The, yeah, the yeah, codependency, right? And they're also afraid of the unknown. Mm -hmm. I, that's why I always say to people, I understand why people stay. I understand why people go. Um, and, and it's, and, and that we can find examples in every area of our lives like that, where people repeat the same thing. And, and it's because even if they kind of know it's not working, the unknown of going out of that, well, how's it going to work out of that? And what they don't know is by taking a step out of it is how you fix it, how you how you, well, how you get free. You free yourself, you free yourself. From, your, from your own like mind bondage. You know, I, I came up with yeah. this idea like in my, some of my music, like a mind bondage. Like, what do you mean? It's like when you are self-limiting. Right, you're yep. creating your own ceiling. You're wearing the box. You're putting yourself in a cage, and a lot of musicians have used the idea of cages, you know. But it, it, it's like in masks, people wear a mask. They have a cage. They have a, a ceiling, limitations. Like, and, and you try to free yourself by 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 exploring that other side of that. You know, how do you get to the other side? You know anything about Jim Morrison? Like, you break onto the other side. Like, what is he talking right. about? He was poet. He was talking about kind of breaking through boundaries and whether or not it was the it was the it was the most the behavior he was doing was the right way to go to that. It's a judgment. <laughs> but but he was a poet and he was trying to right. put it into words. He did it very poetically, genius level. But you know, a bad outcome because he couldn't get beyond his own demons. But um, but that yeah, I think the idea of it is like any great poet. Going to be able to like the idea of, of of being able to think that through and actually you know find a way to to make it happen, you know self actualize the words into something and he kind of did that, yeah. You know, and some people can actually self actualize and do what they're writing about. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, so, how how would you say that? Um, Aside from going to Japan, how else do you think musicians and even other areas can express themselves to assist other um, society, I'll just say society out there, to elevate and break out? 
Well, as a musician, I like to elevate by trying not to have boundaries, right? You know, so if, when you're a musician, you're taught scales, you're taught structure, you're taught theory. And then what you do as a musician is you break the rules. Like you, 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 the first thing you do, if you get out of a school like Berkeley, your professor will tell you, you know, you learned everything. I'm like, I'll break the rules. So the whole point is to kind of not get stuck in patterns and to actually figure out how to find an authentic voice by not trying to be somebody else, but taking all your influences and then taking your, your, your true inner core and finding a way to create your own sound that is uniquely you and being not, not being scared to do that. Not going and thinking that I got to be Taylor Swift. I got to be Beyonce. I got to be Led right. Zeppelin. I got to be Hendrix. You take who you love and you become that version of yourself. Kind of like the way Bowie self-actualized and became Ziggy. Before he, <laughs> before he did that, he was channeling stuff like the Beatles. He was out there sounding like he was David Jones, dressing up like a Beatle, looked like a mop top didn't work when he went and said, well, I'm going to take theater and I'm going to create characters and I'm going to go into characters like the thin right. white Duke and, and Aladdin saying and Ziggy, then that worked. And that was uniquely his approach to say, I'm going to be a theatrical musician and make, make it a whole show. Oh, show. Yes. And, yes. And, it, yeah, that, and that and was it his concept and he made it, he made it happen. And it was uniquely his vision. And so I think that's where I think I always tell musicians, like, you see, Lady Gaga did that. She had yeah. the same kind of issue. She had tried to go out as just a, a, a straight musician, you know, no no fluff, no character, and it didn't work. And then she created the idea of Lady Gaga, and it was kind of, it's very Bowie-like. Yeah. She went and created this character version of herself, this other version, and then that broke through. And yeah. it's not exactly her, but it is her, but it's another her. It's, a it's other another her. It's it's an alter ego her, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's beautiful. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. I like that. That's always been my challenge. Is you know, and as a producer, I like to. I don't like to make somebody sound like me. I want to make them sound like the best version of themselves. So if I take well, their demo, I'll just make it sound better. Well, that's my job too. My job is to assist people to become the best version of themselves. And so when they come to me, I do the same thing. I find out what, what octave they're at, and we change that to the octave that they want to achieve. But I think sometimes people will do the opposite. They'll actually try to rework somebody and put them into a pattern and say, this is the only pattern you can be in. And this, you know, and it's not really them. It, it may be a version of, of, of of the person creating a pattern is just a clone to their pattern. And oh. then you're just, and, and that's kind of, I've always been very against that because like, it's like, then you just keep on getting clones of like a producer will have a style and it'll just clone it everywhere. Yeah. And it's basically yeah. them. And yeah. they insert it on the artist and that artist is, that it really isn't them. But you know, I, I hit the top 10, so you should go with me. And then that person kind of loses their authentic self and they become something that's not even what they really wanted. And so I have always been like, why don't you take the best aspects of who they are and actually accentuate them and make them hit better to do, you know, and so that yeah. they become a unique version of themselves instead of clone of you. I agree with that. I, I actually, um, it's not me. I work with my clients. It's all about, um, what they want to achieve it's about them 
and their person. And, and so whatever they come to me about, we try to hit it the way they want to hit it. And in Psyche, they have what they call goal balances. So it's basically your new belief. And I actually ask, work with them to write the new belief that's mm -hmm. going to be put in so Tough. that, because if it's my words, it resonates with me, but mm -hmm. if it's their words, it resonates with them. And it's all about, I'm touching their soul. So the way I feel about it is that um, even when we do affirmations or anything like that, I always tell people record it in your own voice, even if it's in somebody else's recorded in your own, because mm -hmm. kind of like being in your mother's womb, you uh, heard your mom's voice. So when you were birthed, you recognize your mom's voice. It's the same way with our soul. And so when I put in a balance, mm -hmm. it has to be in the person's vibration because the soul has to vibrate to it. Your subconscious you and conscious have to hear mind. It. Yeah. Yeah. It, you it need to hear your to, own voice. Yeah. Yeah. It has to attune to your words, the words that you would use, not the words I would use. Yeah. I think that's the problem. I think in some people, they're looking, when you're looking for something outside of yourself, and then, like, even like I get in my Buddhist practice, there are people who will just take Nishra and Daishonin's words and just repeat them kind of like the Bible, right? And this is a problem in any kind of religion. If all you do is just repeat these lines, and that's yeah. fine. There's, there's, there's knowledge and there's history in these texts. But what I always like is, like, why don't you give me your in, own interpretation of those texts and not do a line-for-line -line memorization versus interpretation right like if i read it and then i go back and i put it in my own words well how i felt it meant what it right. meant i think that's more significant for your own development than just being able to memorize 30 pages and be able to say it verbatim exactly the way it was already written i agree i agree wholeheartedly that's that's why i work the way i do is that it's all it's all about the client who's in front of me it's not about me I'm yeah. only here. I'm only here as the assistant. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes that that's the you know and people can say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with learning lines in the Quran or the Bible or any any of the great texts, but I think people make the mistake if they all they do is memorize memorize without processing and having some kind of thinking behind it where they can have their own vision of what they think those words mean. And it's nothing wrong about you having your own vision. It's not sacrilegious to me for you to read it and then get your own interpretation. Oh, uh, no. I think that's freeing. And yeah. I think that, I think then you are your authentic self. And I think that's what we're all trying to achieve for because that is the success. That is when you, you're striving for success. And striving for success is to be 100% authentically you in your beliefs, your behaviors, your thoughts, what, what is you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, I don't know today, sometimes you can go down the wrong road because I think again, when I get to the point of like, you have beliefs and then you have values. And I think a lot of people confuse their, the two. They, they think that beliefs are necessarily true. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I agree with you because somebody was um, recently I was listening to someone and they were right on what you're talking about. And they had said, you know, we can have the belief of um, a loving God. But if you're spanking your child or you're doing something uh, that's unethical, 
are you reflecting that? And then there's some people who can be loving all the time. And then there's some people who thinks, think God is a hateful God or whatever. And so then they're angry all the time. And so it's kind of an interesting pattern that people pick up. So it, 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 if, if God's a loving God, but you're not um, conducting yourself in such a way, then you have to ask your beliefs don't match your actions. Yeah, because you're supposed to, you know, if if Jesus is love, then why do you hate? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's real simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, no, I I think that I think that's very. I agree wholehearted with you on that. And I just was listening to somebody was on a, a podcast today that I was listening to. And I think his last name is Walsh. He had written many, many books. He's, I, I think, I think he's sold like 23 million books. And I was listening to him interviewed and he was just saying that it's interesting how people view even God that are their values matching. Like if God's angry, then they're angry. And then mm-hmm. and he went down this road and I was, I was thinking, wow. And he goes, and then there's the people that their actions don't match their beliefs. And yeah. he dissected it just like uh, you were saying. And it was very, very interesting conversation. But yeah, it's, it's hard to like look in the mirror, go look at the tape and that's you. Right. And you're yeah. one minute you're saying Jesus is love. And the next minute you're ha- hating your brother, hating your sister. Is that really what they taught? And yeah. so like, who, like you said, like, you have this belief, like, where did you get it from? And somebody would say, well, they'll say, oh, I got it from God. It's like, well, did you get it from God or did you get it from this person Yes. who said it was from God? And then this person really didn't have the right value. They had a belief that you confused with the value. Right. And now you're doing a bad behavior because you think it's equal that to God. And so if it's God, even if it's hate, it's love. And then you get confused because you're in this kind of dichotomy that you're, you're getting mixed up. But yeah, you're thinking hate is love. When yeah, well, how can hate right. be love? <laughs> well, that's, well, that's why I tell people uh, keep a chart and on one side have your belief system and on the other side have your actions and your emotions. Because then you can see if you line up and then you can see what you want to shift into a new belief system, a new way, a new behavior. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's like going back to my Buddhist concept. There's like negativity and positivity. If you do negative actions, you could be writing down in words that you think it's positive, but the actions in themselves betray that they're negative, right? It's so you could you could write it down for pages and pages that that's a positive thing, but in actuality, a negative thing. Because the action actually causes negative consequences. (laughs) Yes, it's true. And and the hardest thing I find for um, humans, for us, is to actually examine ourselves in depth and actually, you know, write down what's really helping us and what's really not. It's really painful to watch some people have a very hard time being very honest about, like, who what's working, what's not, what traits are great, what's not, and, and to step into actually changing them. Well, I think it's also because people have fear and then they have guilt and fear yes. and guilt combined can make you do very bad things. And, I agree and, with that. <laughs> can also so make you, like, it also can make you very physically sick. 
Yeah. And it's a bad, it ends up becoming negative energy from a Buddha concept. Like you're just in a negative zone and you're not getting out of this negative behavior because everything you're doing is spiritually draining. It's not ascendant, right? So if you right. want to get exactly. on the positive side, you have to go toward things where you're actually less selfish, more, uh, more empathy, more understanding with that. Less narrowness, you know, more, more, openness. more compassion and, and come from a place of non-judgment. If everybody could understand that we're all programmed, every single one of us is programmed. You and I are programmed, every single one mm. of us. If we can start having the compassion to understand where everybody's coming from, from their programming, uh, then we're starting to create a big bunch of emotional intelligence that will lead us to a strategy of actually living in harmony. Yeah, and you got to forgive yourself for what you did, but don't keep on doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, if you can get yeah. to the point where you understand what you did and you understand it was negative and you can break out of the pattern because you can reprogram yourself to go yeah. toward the light, go toward the positivity, then, then you, you, know, you, you can acknowledge that, yeah, up to this point, I was doing these things and it wasn't healthy, it wasn't right. But if you can get out of that codependency to that negativity, then, yes. then I think you can you can broaden your your life and live the full you know example of who you could be. Exactly, exactly the successful example that you have in your mind that you want to be. Yes, I don't think anybody's ever done. You know, I try to tell people like when I was seventeen, I had a dream of being a musician, and a lot of my friends stopped because they said, "Well, I'm not going to make it." I kept on going and I, I'm still here doing what I love to do. I do other things, but I didn't give up on it. And so as right. if you don't give up on yourself, you don't give up on your dream. You don't think of that childish that you keep on doing it. You can actually get to a place where suddenly, you know, you're working with other people and people actually are coming to you because you believe it. If you believe in yourself, people will believe in you. So I agree I with that too. And, and, and I'm going to say this. In the quantum field, in the quantum work I do, that means you're putting the energy out there in that field and you can't help but draw people to you for that. And I would say that to everybody. Start checking the frequency, the thoughts, everything that you're putting out there because positive thoughts create positive vibrations, positive octaves, and you can't help but bring people to you. It, it's almost like if you walk into a room with a smile on your face, see how many people come up to you. You walk into a room with a frown on your face, see how many people do not walk up to you. And, and so if we go through life starting examining, and even if you got up every day and say, this is a joy filled day, I feel joy. Even if you don't feel joy, but you say, I feel joy, you're going to have a smile on your face. Or if you just put a smile on your face, you're going to start pulling yourself out of that feeling that you had. And these are like very tiny, simple things. But just on a post-it say, isn't it wonderful? Something marvelous is happening to me right now. Every time you had a neg negative thought, if you said just that line, you'd be pulling yourself out in a couple days. You'd be zooming along on a high, much higher frequency. Yeah, that, that, well, I mean, one of the things I love about this social media with the podcasting is, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and people told me like, oh, that, that won't go anywhere. I've been doing this since 2016 and, um, and it just keeps on expanding. 
because I didn't, I stopped putting limits. Yeah, like I started in a narrow focus and then I expanded the focus. And then I said, well, I'm going to, I like, oh, I don't know how to talk to a psychologist. I don't know how to talk to a, a mentor. I don't have, I haven't done that, but that didn't stop me from trying it. And now I'm actually to a place where I got, I, I was a very painfully shy person. I could not talk to anybody when I was 17, 22, 24. At age 55, I'm not anywhere near where I was. And it's because I kind of, I faced what my demon was about that communication problem. I was just so fearful. I'd be yeah. sweating and shaking. I couldn't even get out of it. And I just like, you know, the cancer kind of forced me to say, why am I scared of that? And really after beating cancer, then I was like, well, I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that kind of gave me, it kind of made that version of, of myself go away go because away. I went. And said, well, I'm not scared anymore. So you left that paradigm behind. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think cancer has to be the thing that does it. I think like what you're saying with the reprogramming and people could go to your website and find out how to get into that. But that that was my journey. I didn't understand. I don't, I didn't know anything about reprogramming uh, or the kind of concepts you have. I just found my own way. But I think it's cool to talk to people like yourself. And I, I, we are at the end of our time, but I do encourage people to go to JanetElaineSchmidt.com. That will be clickable when this is fully published. And make sure you check out all that you have to offer there. And maybe you can tell people exactly what's, what's on the website. Um, I have my reprogram um, sessions. I also offer a reprogram workshop. If people want to get like 10 people together, I'll do a workshop for them. Um, but I have individual sessions, I have package sessions, and they all include um, reprogramming whatever behavior, whatever um, belief system, whatever you want to examine, we can go through, we can go through whatever you want and um, get you into the whole brain state. That's great. I love being able to offer, you know, new points of view and mindsets to people. That's why I do the podcast. I get to meet very interesting people all over the world all the time. Thank you for being on the program. Again, check out JanetElaineSchmidt.com. Please support the people we talk to by clicking on their URLs and uh, and following up. If you get interested and tell your friends, you know, show your friends, share the podcast. That's how people find out about new interesting things by sharing things. Um, So thank you again for being on the program. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Good night. Good night.